You're listening to the Backstage Pass podcast, hosted by Hannah Trigwell and sponsored by Tommen. Hello, Olivia Jones. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm good. It is a strange time, but I'm good. We're talking over the wires. And I wish I were, we were doing this in person, actually, because I feel like it's easier to chat in person. But. It is, but then I would have had to put on some sensible trousers. And now <laughs> you have no idea what I'm wearing beneath this line. So. Brilliant. Same. I can't, I, I do have trousers on, but I wish I didn't now, in a way. <laughs> Could be wearing clown pants, mate. You wouldn't know. So that's know. the joy. That's the joy. You've got to find God. the silver linings in these things. Yeah, and that is that is a silver lining. The work at home uniform, <laughs> definite silver lining. <laughs> Olivia Jones is like a, a solid name, isn't it? Is that your radio presenter name or is that your actual name? That would be that would be giving away all my secrets, Ooh. wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I feel like it's too perfect to be true. So I think people can draw their own conclusions from that, right? I've often thought that I've done this wrong as an artist, that I should have had a more succinct name. Like what? Like a, like a catchier name. I don't know, like like Hannah T. You know, like Katie B. Uh, no. I, no. No. No, you don't see that. You're like, this is who I am. Like, wear it on your sleeve sort of person. Like, Hannah T just sounds a bit like 16-year-old girl trying to do street dance. How did you get into radio in the first place? So I listened to it a lot as a teenager. um, And it it was kind of my companion during the GCSE revision hours. And... I oh, okay. yeah I used to listen to it just for hours on end and I remember Fern Cotton I remember um Scott Mills with his various different co-hosts that he's had over the years um and and yeah I just I just became obsessed with it that way and then um Radio 1 had its big weekend in Maidstone where I'm from right and um and the DJs were staying at a hotel within walking distance from my parents' house. And I was like, I'm going to go meet them. So we went and we hung out in the lobby, me and my mate. Um, and we met them and we've got photos with them. And it's kind of cringe, but also amazing at the same time. <laughs> that I've got these like printed out photos of me with Scott Mills and Chris Moyles um, in the heyday of Radio 1. Um, but I didn't actually manage to get tickets to Big Weekend. And a lot of my oh. a lot of my friends did, and you got one. I think you got you you applied for yourself, and then you got one extra. So people, you know, just took one other person with them, um, yeah. and so I didn't get to go. And I could hear it from my house. That's how close it was. I could hear. I think it was like, I think it was Usher. I think it was Madonna, and I think it was Justin Timberlake. And I could wow. hear them from my house. And I and I was A, obsessed with pop music and B, obsessed with Radio 1. I would find that like torture. It was it was thing. heartbreaking. And you know what you like when you're a teenager? It, it hurts. Like it physically hurts. You're not able to rationalise it and contextualise it and go, this isn't the be all and end all. Like I'll have other fun things to do in the future. You're like, <laughs> right here and right now is terrible. And I can't, I can't imagine life being any other way. So... Yeah, so it was it was really rough, and um, and I tried to distract myself, and and I got through it. But I remember kind of saying to myself, like, 
I'm I'm not going to be left out again. And the way to do that is to be the person that is part of it, right? Um, yeah. I remember saying to my careers advisor, I really want to be a radio presenter. And she said, um, only special people get to do that. No. Yeah, careers Why? advisor. Why be a careers advisor if you're going to do that? God. My careers advisor was rubbish. I, I, I had... I think we had like careers advisors in high school and then in like sixth form and just before uni. And, and it was every time it was, what, so what do you want to do? And sometimes the question would be, I don't know, or <laughs> teach or, you know, anything. Yeah. If it was anything other than like a, a normal nine to five job, one of my friends wanted to be a DJ and they were like, nah, you sh- maybe you need to rethink that as like a hobby. I hate that. It's mad, isn't it? It's mad when you think how big the creative industry is. Yeah. And how many possibilities are out there. I mean, sure, my parents uh, have had their careers for, you know, 20 years or whatever. But actually preparing people for the portfolio careers that we're stepping into now, where you're expected to freelance and do several different things at one time, the best careers advice would be go for it. Like see how far it takes you and then see what comes next afterwards and prepare yourself to not be one thing for the rest of your life. But weirdly, (laughs) our generation was definitely the generation that were kind of encouraged to go to that traditional old school way of thinking which I think, what did you say to that careers advisor? Well, I was I was not a very confident teen. I was quite shy. I was I was yeah. weird. I was always like this uh, f- person that tried to be funny and and do all the things that I am now as as an adult. But I certainly didn't want the attention for it. And I think that's maybe why I pursued radio rather than TV because there's something okay. much more personal about you and a microphone. And yeah. when you're interviewing someone, uh, it's usually just you and them. So that compared to being like with attention and and TV camera crew didn't really appeal to me. But um, yeah, I just remember being like, oh, right. Oh, right. Okay. Guess I'm not special. Like (laughs) (laughs) nice, nice to wake up and smell the roses. But um, yeah. So I I think that pushed me back into my shell and, Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I didn't really pursue it. And then when I got to university, after I'd picked something sensible to study, um, psychology and sociology, I, I got there and, and the student radio station was literally outside my halls. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I had to walk past it every single day to get to lectures. And I think it was maybe the f- second week, one of the guys was like, I'd really like to do that. And I said, yeah, I really want to do it as well. Should we do a show together? So we applied and, and that's how I started doing student radio, which then led on to other stuff in the industry. Student radio is that perfect setup where they're trying to recreate everything that's going on in the industry, but on like yeah. a shoestring budget in a kind of, we don't really know what we're doing sort of way. And let's let's try. And if it fails, no one's really listening anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> and that was that was the beauty of student radio so you get a room full yeah. of passionate people that are willing to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks and um sometimes you created some terrible terrible content but sometimes you created stuff that people were like yeah do that again like that was fun so yeah it was That's pretty cool. cool does any of that ever come back to haunt you there are still videos online 
which I could definitely find for you, which is <laughs> just mad looking back at it of us trying to do. So the, t- the thing at the time was incorporating social media into the show somehow because it hadn't really taken off yet. Social media was was kind of starting to pop off when I was in uni. But I remember it being a thing that a lot of people definitely didn't have. Yeah. I remember a lot of people, I started putting YouTube videos online in 2006. Yeah. And everyone was like, that's weird. Why are you doing that? Really? That's not going to be a thing. This is never going to... Some of the comments were kind of similar to, I guess, how people would have felt about the TV when that was introduced to the world. How funny. But that's so cool that they were that they were trying to incorporate social media. Are they still going that student radio? Um, they are under a slightly different name. I I haven't had the opportunity to pop back, but some of my other friends, the guy that I did the, my first radio show with, he's popped in because he now works for um, he works for Deezer, the streaming oh, cool. app, and yeah. he's previously worked for MTV and stuff like that. So he popped in because obviously he was head of music. So there are really obvious skills that he picked up in that job that he then translated despite the fact he did a finance degree wow so possibilities are endless and and student radio is a massive platform did you just go straight from kind of doing student radio doing your degree and just go straight into a radio role after that so what was kind of perfect about my um my university was that they encouraged us to do a year in industry. And despite the fact I was doing psychology and sociology, they were like, why, you know, do what you're passionate about. So I was really getting into student radio and I was like, I'm going to knock on the local radio station's door. And I I remember sending letters to pretty much every radio station in the UK. And it just so happened that the one that was in the town that I was studying in was the one that was like, oh yeah, Come and work for Brilliant. us. Brilliant. Um, they didn't have a system in place. They didn't. They didn't have a scheme. But I kind of knocked on their door and was like, "I'm really passionate. I've got a year to kill. I've got a student loan which is going to cover my finance." Um, and there was a bit of tetchiness, I think, about volunteering and working for free. And I am clearly very privileged. I I understand that there are a lot of people that aren't in my position and couldn't have done it, um, which isn't fair because we need more voices, more diversity, as always. But what I did was um, I volunteered five days of the week and then both days on the weekend I worked. And right. that kind of kept me above debt, the debt line. Wow, that's that's full on work-wise. Yeah, I almost lost the plot. Like I fully almost <laughs> lost the plot. <laughs> and, there, and there were times where I'd burn out and I'd be like, I can't, I literally just can't do anything good this week I'd still go and I'd still be there and I'd be present in body but I wasn't in mind um yeah and again I'm lucky that I had a great group of friends at university that were um great escape and and they were there to play with you know so like as an artist when you have like a bad day or when you you know like you say when you when you just have to turn up and be there and just do it um does it feel like a performance ever I think we're getting more and more clued up to the fact that there are introvert extroverts. So um, there are so many performers who are massive on stage and big and loud and, and extrovert, but actually they need, they need their downtime and they they need their private life and they need all those, you know, you look look at some of the biggest stars, Harry Styles, for example, 
he's actually quite secretive. We don't know a lot about him, but when he's on stage, yeah. he's like spitting water and like being <laughs> sexual and doing all the things that are actually quite private for someone who who could be an introvert. But he's when he's on stage, he's a complete extrovert. So I think I think we all have that element to our personality and radio has to be a performance quite a lot of the time and sometimes you're in your groove and it just feels like ah oh, I'm, I mean what's that what's that thing that's like flow mode have you heard about this okay yeah flow, yeah. flow state where you're flow state. yeah where you're like the best version of yourself some shows three hours I'm like best version of myself and then other other shows I'll get a yeah. horrible message or or there'll be something going on in my personal life and I'm like my job my responsibility is not to bring that on air with me so that yeah. that comes down to just doing your job properly um, right and and yeah like th- things going wrong in the world like we're currently living through a global pandemic but i'm not going on air and being like oh god have you seen the death toll you know yeah, yeah. i'm going on air and going yeah. which celebrity is 5 foot 5 and then we go Five foot five, five foot five, which celebrities five foot five. Stupid. <laughs> a, a waste of oxygen, but why not? I know that performers, you know, turn it on. But as an outsider to the other side of radio, I always wondered whether it was just that that person was just, you know, had that kind of personality where they could, where they were just always like that. And that's probably just the naivety um because it like you say it's performance just like a like an artist does a performance Mm. I find that really interesting though I don't think you should ever feel cheated by that I think sometimes people are like what that person's not (laughs) not actually a nice person in real life you know there are plenty of people in the public eye who are not nice people but their persona their persona is oh so likable so lovable so again Radio is is a service in the way that music is a service sometimes, and yeah, it's about what the consumer can get from it. And and my radio, my job on my radio station is to provide a service of good music and entertaining content. In terms of like the entertaining content stuff, do you have like a top three kind of favorite interviews you've ever done? It's probably easier to answer the question least favorite. <laughs> Oh right, okay. <laughs> because because when you connect with someone, yeah, that's obviously amazing. Um, and it kind of doesn't matter who they are, and then sometimes you walk away from interviews and you're like, oh, it's a shame they're not bigger because that was a great interview. It just won't get the attention that it deserves. I remember specifically Ariana Grande. I was shaking. I was shaking so bad. And part of that was, again, um, it was it was in a proper, like, sh- film studio and there were loads of people watching, loads of her people watching. I think her mum was there. So it was a lot of pressure and it, it just didn't feel very natural to me. It's not, you know, when you ha- go down to the pub with your mate, you don't have 20 people watching you whilst you have a conversation. So Yeah, that would feel like a nerve-wracking... Just her mum being there would, would freak me exactly, out. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and I was much yeah. earlier on in my career, so I was, I was still quite inexperienced and uh, I saw one person interview her before me who upset her by bringing up something that she they'd specifically been told not to bring up right um which is always a no-go for me I, I honestly do not care about chasing 
headlines in tabloid magazines. Um, I'm not interested. That's that's other people's game. So you'll never find me doing that. If I get a headline, it's completely accidental. And the one before me had really charmed her. And Ooh. I, yeah. And um, he was a gay guy and he's very, very effervescent and likeable and interesting and confident. And that was... That was overwhelming as well because I looked at that and I went, mm, I'm not that. So I'm not that and I'm not that. And I've seen the two differences. So where do I sit? And I was probably somewhere in the middle. Um, okay. But I just remember pursuing questions around comedy because she'd just done the SNL um, episode. She just didn't like it. She just wanted to talk about her album. And I, you know, sometimes you walk into interviews, you haven't even heard the album because you haven't been given that information so you can't pick out specific tracks and be like let's talk about this like you can only talk about the singles we've already heard so yeah it's difficult sometimes to to find that balance but yeah that was not a I didn't enjoy it I think it was a fine interview I think it didn't matter but it, yeah, right. I didn't enjoy it oh but that's look, a shame but looking back now I can see the the, the laughter in it there's a video in fact I'll show you this because I was like let's do problems I'll, I've seen it. I've have seen you seen it? it? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'll be Iggy, yeah. you be you. <laughs> so I set her up with my terrible Iggy impression. Got none and none problems, but she won't be one. Like what? And she just absolutely like rolls, like dead roll. <laughs> Not having it. But in a way, that was quality content. Right. I loved it. I thought it was great. What it comes down to is we all want to be liked. We all want to be liked. That's That's a very mm. human element and um, yeah. I wanted to be liked by her I got the impression she didn't like me which is like oh but that video I think people like me in that video because absolutely I'm, because I'm bit putting myself out there and being a geek in front of one of the world's like fittest hottest most talked about celebrities and she's just like what are you doing and I'm like trying to be a rapper <laughs> I think that's why it's so good. I had one with Ed Sheeran once and I've had a I've had a much better one since. But he was he was really stressed and I think it was in the height of him drinking and you know what he's what he's talked about since his his struggle with um kind of perhaps behaviors that he shouldn't have been doing um to keep mm. himself mentally well. And during the interview he was texting people. Like just uh. I was asking him he was head down just texting and I was like Oh my god! I've been up all hours doing questions, trying to get this right, trying to get the tone right. You know, all the hours of prep that go into a ten-minute interview, and mm-hmm. he's and he's sat there on his phone, which just makes me feel like, oh, I'm not interesting. These questions aren't interesting, <laughs> and, and that's and that's fine because that's feedback sometimes. But also at the same time. Like you've got a job to do, mate. I'm doing my job. You've yeah. got you've got to do your job, haven't you? But yeah, absolutely. We've had a chat since, and he was perfectly wonderful and, and charming as you'd imagine he is. So I think you've you've got to look at them as people. What are you going through right now? You know, Ariana being sharp with me was probably on the basis of that she'd had a bit of a dodgy interview, and she could already hear the headlines that were going to be written about her. Mm. And you, you know, yeah, that must be hard. Absolutely. If she's already in that yeah. place, you know, she, why would she trust me, a complete stranger? So that's difficult. You have to read the room. And 
again, like if a pop star's not having a great day, then then you go, all right, well, that's that's the way it's going to be. You kind of, mm. I've definitely learned um, to to roll with it a bit more and, and realise what I can control and what I can't control. And yeah. there was a Camila Cabello interview and she was running late and she came in a bit flustered. And um, you might have seen the video where she like sits down right next to me when clearly the microphones are separated. And I was like, do you want to, do you want to move up a little bit? Like, get, get away from me, which is not something most people want to say to Camila Cabello. So, um, and she was like, oh, can I sit, can I sit where you're sat? Cause that's my better side. And I was like, oh my God, one of the most popular artists in the world that is dating Shawn Mendes thinks she has a side of her face that looks better on camera. And yeah. you go, gosh, all right then. Okay. That's, you know, she's great and she's, she's got a personality and she'll roll with everything that you give her. But it made me realize, okay, fair enough. Like everyone's got their thing. Everyone's got their thing. Everyone's got their, that, that voice inside their head. That's going to tell them something that's not very nice. Maybe. Mm. I met Mariah Carey a couple of years ago around Christmas time after a gig that she did. Tell me everything. And- <laughs> that must have been so mental. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, at <laughs> BBC Introducing Live, s- somebody who was a lawyer who was speaking on one of the panels, um, we just randomly met after I did a performance in one of the bandstands. And um, he was like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer. These are my clients. And it, it was ridiculous. You know, Mariah Carey being the first one that he said. And I was like, oh, right. What have I done wrong? Help. <laughs> um, and he said, um, we were going to speak about my music and stuff, but also she's doing a gig in your hometown. Do you want to go and meet her? And I was thinking, this must be, this can't be legit. Yeah, right, what's happening This, here? This is not legit. Um, but it was. So I went and it was amazing, obviously. And then after the show... We were kind of lining up backstage and we got a few talks from her bodyguards and security about basically do not touch her, don't, you know, all that kind of thing. Don't look her in the eye. Um, (laughs) Don't, uh, almost, yeah. (laughs) Like, don't get, you know, don't get anything out of your pocket, that kind of thing. Um, And so I was feeling really, I was fine. I was like, oh yeah, I'm meeting Mariah Carey, it's fine. Like, I'm not, whatever. Um... And then suddenly started feeling insanely nervous. And then I think because of all the talks from her security and stuff. And then we were lining up and it was my turn to meet her. And I and I met her and I, I said, hi, how are you? And she said, oh, nice to meet you. I'm fine, thanks. How are you? And I said, fine, thanks. How are you? <laughs> and that was it. That was my time. Oh, over. And <laughs> stuck in an she, infinite loop. <sighs> honestly, I can't. It will haunt me forever, forever. And she, um, she had a side though as well. Like, like Camila Cabello, she, she had specifically said to everyone to stand on a certain side of her when they had a picture taken with her. Mm. Which I'd never experienced that before from someone like her and I was just thinking any you're Mariah Carey any side like you know but yeah that that 
that interaction will haunt me forever because then my time was up and it was uh, goodbye, goodbye, <laughs> on to the next one. <laughs> <sighs> and like my dad is a huge fan and said, oh, what did you say when you met her? And I was like, I, I just kind of said, how are you? Twice. And that's it. <laughs> just over this- and over again. This is someone who I really look up to as a songwriter as well. That's what I wanted to say. I was going to say, you know, you've really inspired me as a songwriter and and I just flapped it. So <laughs> that what, must be the definition of starstruck, isn't it? Well, yeah. Which I, I'd never had before. But, like, that's completely normal to get nervous, especially people making such a big deal out of it. Like, I yeah. I get nervous for every interview, every interview. And, and it, is, it is nerves as well as excitement. And I think that... You know that's that's healthy, but um, I find it fascinating that that people almost deliberately make each other feel that way. No other human being can give you rules about how to behave around them. You'd be like, "Jog on, mate!" But the yeah, fact true. that she can do that, it's like, oh, what if we just don't agree? What if everybody just doesn't agree to treat her that way? She she couldn't get away with it and she wouldn't have that power over you. But some celebrities just do have that power. Are you a fan of Mariah Carey? I do. I had a um I had a really good friend when we were growing up who was obsessed with her and, and that's that's the main way that I heard her music. And yeah, like she's she's great at what she does. She's you can't you mm-hmm. can't deny that she's not an incredible talent and she's managed to make a phenomenal career for herself. There are yeah. there are a handful of legends, right? I probably yeah. I probably put Mariah in in the legend pile. Yeah, meeting her is like the only time I've ever been like starstruck and absolutely fumbling my words. But is it, have you had that more than once or at all? Do you ever get that kind of feeling? I always say words that I don't mean, but that's, right. <laughs> that's normal. That's like human, isn't it? I don't feel like yeah. You know, I I remember my first ever live interview because most interviews are pre-recorded. Remember my right. first ever live interview? It was Union J. Oh. I was on drive time at a local radio station in Kent um, called KMFM, and which is still going. Fair play to them. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, like there was a queue of, of teenagers outside waiting to meet them. I think they were an hour and a half late. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of mad, but we did it and um and yeah it like went really well and i was like oh god i'm so proud of myself and stuff but yeah it's like it's they they all just shape you you know the the experiences of being thrown in at the deep end that's probably the best way to learn most of the time i feel like this is kind of a time more than ever that we've been totally thrown in at the deep end as well like with having to work from home like we were saying i've seen you doing video call interviews recently with people yeah. how in, are you finding in this that setup, in this setup yeah in that um, setup. yeah it's fine like most of them I, I already know so which yeah. is nice um so do a leaper when so <laughs> actually so facetime is obviously normally in portrait right and then yeah if they flip their phone it'll be in landscape she popped up on landscape so the portrait view that i'd seen of the room suddenly opened and all of the stuff that i'd like pushed out of frame oh, that, no. <laughs> that was a mess was suddenly in frame oh like, no oh god this Nightmare. is so embarrassing <laughs> so um so yeah I was, was like, it just a kick it out of the way situation I, before I was like, <laughs> yeah i was just pushing stuff like i mean i could pull out a ladder 
a tutu and some crutches right now because I've managed wow. to push them Please out do. of the ring. You'll have to you have to take my word from it. But <laughs> but when Dua Lipa pops up on screen and it's like, oh damn it, I just basically like put my hands over the top of it and she went, it's fine, I don't care. You know, if she, if that was the first time we'd interacted, that'd probably be a bit awkward, but because <laughs> we know each other, she she was cool with it. Um, yeah. The annoying one was probably getting up at 5am to interview Harry Styles. That was... Because he's in a different country. Or... Cause, yeah, because he's in a different country. Um, he didn't call me till six. So I was up for an hour, like, ooh, um, eye twitching. Mm. <laughs> but he's he's a delightful gentleman. We've spoken. That was the second time we've spoken now. And uh, I really enjoy talking to him. He's, he's super charming. Um, he seems like a really old soul. Mm, I think not really old that came out wrong an no. old soul no. <laughs> not a, a really old soul <laughs> like a man from the 16th century <laughs> um yeah I, th- I think that Harry's done it really well whatever mm. it is the game or or the industry or or yeah. life whatever you want to call it I was saying it. this to someone um, a few days ago about Harry Styles and I can't put my finger on it in a way but I just feel like like what you say whatever it is he's done it really well I think it's that that balance of intrigue self-awareness talent obviously you've got to be attractive that's that's what the world thrives on right you've got to be people have yeah. got to fancy you so He's worked that out and he's worked out how to make people fancy him even more. So I think it's a combination of all, all of those things together and he's 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 got the recipe right. So yeah, fair play to him. Have you had any tech issues with video calls yet? Uh no. Which is tempting fate, isn't it? I was expecting to have some because everybody's doing video calls mm. right now. So I always thought it would be just a matter of time before something awful happened on air the way that we're doing the radio show at the moment is that i am still doing the show as live but in a 20 minute delay so i'm ahead by 20 minutes because we don't have the function to be on off live from my house that that fell over the other day and and it just kept on playing music it didn't didn't go to dead air but now that's good. That's that's really difficult to hear. And there was another technical fault, which meant that two things were playing out at the same time. And there were people messaging me going, sack the DJ, the, you know, this is terrible, this is terrible, I'm really upset and really angry at me. And it was nothing to do with me. There was n- And there was nothing that I could do. That was a really difficult pill to swallow. I, I, I think no one really likes getting stuff wrong, but that's mm. certainly something that I am grappling with at the moment is being told that I've done something wrong and feeling and not feeling that like pit of dread in your stomach. Yeah. Um, that's tough. And that and that has that's been really difficult because I mean I went on air and I was like, I'm really sorry that happened. You know, at least you know that we are from home. Live. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know that we this isn't pre recorded, but yeah, tough. Surely you get messages that are just really, really nice. Yeah. Do you know what? I get way more nice messages than I do horrible messages. Good. And <laughs> And the horrible messages used to be about how unfunny I am, uh, which is fine. But when you're in... That's 
bizarre. Yeah, because also because you are the funny radio, you are the funny radio presenter. Thanks, that man. is that seems oh, bizarre. Yeah, tell to me. me more. Tell me. Tell me more <laughs> things about how great I am. Um, a people are allowed to disagree with me. That's they are perfectly entitled to do that, and they're they're perfectly entitled to tell me that they disagree with me. I think it's the way that people do it. You know, if somebody mm. says, who's this two-bit DJ, they should get the sack. You go, during a global pandemic where people are fighting for survival, you're actually advocating for someone to lose their job because they said something they, that you didn't like about Elton John. Yeah. Should we chill out? Should we just... Yeah. Are we here for a good time or a long time? Like, come on. <laughs> Come on, mate. So there are things that if I've said it and I've thought, yeah, fair play, they've got a point, I would go on air and I would apologise for it. And I'd be like, sorry, like, bad joke. But in the same way that if you were down the pub with your mate and they made a bad joke, they'd be like, oh, sorry. And you'd go, all right, fair play. They, they yeah, knew they I were I wish wrong. my friends actually did that. <laughs> my friends just say things that are horrific. <laughs> One of my friends in particular, I won't, I won't mention names, um, <laughs> says things sometimes and I'm like, oh, God, you really... You just said that. Mm. You really just said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're gonna. You're just gonna let it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Cool. Have you ever like consciously thought about what's drawn you to pop music in the beginning? I don't know. Really. I think. I think growing up on it. You know, first single I ever bought was Three Lions on a Shirt. Wow. Which is probably the most lesbian thing ever. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, but then I didn't. <laughs> And then you said it, so it's fine. <laughs> and then um, S Club 7, obsessed with them, used to be yeah. obsessed with uh, their TV show. I remember in year four, oh, I God. wrote a creative story about um, going to the zoo with them. Cool. Yeah, I was just, I was just obsessed with it from a really young age. And, and my, my parents liked it, you know, the albums that yeah. were in the car. Mum bought the Now albums. So I just grew up around it and... I think it tends to be kind of from what your parents listen to usually, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, there's there's got to be psychology behind it about positive mm. reinforcement. And I just yeah. had some amazing times dancing to pop music with my mates in my bedroom. So, yeah, I think it's stuck. Yeah. Do you ever class any of them as like guilty pleasures or are they all just fine? I do get a little bit embarrassed about how many times I listen to the Aqua album. Oh, Barbie Girl. Yeah, but ba they, they had some bops on their album. Okay. And I, I could probably do a lot of them word perfect, so. Did you ever make music? I don't play guitar and I can, sing play, I can play ukulele. I can't sing. I, I can okay. like hold a note every so often, but it's so unreliable that I, there's, just no, there's just no career in it for me. Um, I was kind of just imagining you doing... <laughs> something like Barbie Girl, just in a <laughs> in a very in a very perfect way. It's not the future for me. I wish it was. That'd be fun. But and I and I feel like being in in radio is a great way to observe the music industry because you're so close to it, but you're kind of removed from it. And um, mm. I, I think it's fascinating to watch how people build yeah. their careers. Do you have any tips on that for up and coming musicians? <sighs> I think play to your strengths. You know, you look at someone like Lewis Capaldi, who's yeah. got a wicked personality and enjoys clearly enjoys doing social media. Um, if that's your bag, go for it and, and be consistent. That's the most important thing with social media. Um mm -hmm. and then and then if you're but if your strength is songwriting, 
then then lean into that. Like Jess Glynn, we don't know a lot about Jess Glynn and she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't really do that many interviews. Um, but she's, she's a phenomenal pop song writer and yeah. has brilliant album sales and, you know, s- songs that will be bought up by Jet 2 Holidays and be played until the end of time. She knows, doesn't she? She knows what she's doing. But, but you've got, we've all got to pay the bills. There is no, yeah. there is absolutely no shame. In my opinion, there is absolutely no shame in selling your work, whether that is a piece of art, whether that is from an emotional breakup or something terrible that happened to you, or whether it's from a beautiful relationship that you've managed to get 50 grand out of because you've sold it to an advertising company. Like, you, we've all got to pay the bills. Yeah, it's a business, isn't it, after exactly. all? Exactly. Absolutely. I actually saw Jess Glynn um, supporting the Spice Girls. Oh, yeah? Yes. Um, I went to see the Spice Girls. Ooh. Oh, it feels ages ago now. It might have been about eight months ago. Yeah. It was when they were doing the tour with the big... Yeah, I vaguely um, remember did you, it. Did you go? Did no. Did you see them? I'm not a big concert goer. No? Don't like live gigs. Oh, Tell me about that. That's interesting. That's really unique for, I think, for a Music. radio presenter, mm. right? Well, uh, do you want to finish your story about Jess Glynn first? Yeah, sure. So I was uh, basically, <laughs> I went with um, some friends who were also obsessed with Spice Girls. I mean, in in, in the day. Yeah, right. Back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, and it was one of the best nights of my life. Was it it was incredible. Uh, there was a little bit of alcohol consumption, I'm not going to lie, but nevertheless, if there hadn't have been, would have still been amazing. Jess Glynn was great though, and actually seeing her live made me appreciate her songwriting even more, mm-hmm. um, and all the the composition, the, everything that goes along with that. Like you say, she, she plays into her strengths, and that's definitely what she should do. Scary Spice. She plays into her strengths in a completely different way. Absolutely. (laughs) Why don't you like going to live gigs? That that's that's blown my mind. I really struggle with Mm. not watching people. Sometimes I think empathy can be a weakness as well as a strength. So empathy helps me connect to my interviewees, but empathy means that I get upset on behalf of other people when somebody knocks into them and spills their drink and then there's a tall guy in front and you can see a couple get really disappointed because that's happened and and just like there is there is something inherently unpleasant about the way that people treat each other in groups sometimes when they're they're strangers and I I find that really uncomfortable and I, I find it quite overwhelming often the audio isn't necessarily great you have to stand right next to the sound desk right in order to hear how it's meant to be heard you you just you you have to be in that position so quite often like um my wife lets me stand next to that bit but she you know she wants to be closer to the front and I feel really guilty about that um but I I've seen a lot of people live don't get me wrong but I I don't I wouldn't go out of my way to see people um Mm. and Spice Girls I saw when they came back the first time. They're going to keep coming back and back. I mean, if you've missed out this time around, <clears throat> you, you could wait a long time. You could still <laughs> probably go and watch them on tour. That's true. That's true. They keep coming back. Yeah. I don't think I've been to a gig actually ever where I've thought, the sound is great. No. I don't think I've ever thought that, which is such a shame, isn't it? But 
there are times when the experience of being there completely outweighs the quality of music or how comfortable you are or whether you've had a drink. And one of those experiences for me was seeing BTS, first of all at uh, the O2 and second of all at Wembley. And seeing them unite people of so many different backgrounds and seeing the excitement that I used to feel when I, you know, listened to Aqua's album on repeat. (laughs) Bad example. (laughs) Bad example. Used to. (laughs) But seeing, yeah, still do. Uh, But seeing people like have that almost adrenaline rush just simply from hearing them and seeing them, that was one Mm. of one of the most amazing experiences and I'm so glad I got to got to do that. I believe I was the first in the UK to play them on the radio. Wow. I You should I, get a plaque for that. You well, should get something for that. <laughs> well, I then I then saw other people try and claim that and I was like, I'm not I'm not getting into this fight. Like that's that's mm. not worth it. And then that so that was two thousand and eighteen. And even now I am trying to convince people they are bigger than you think they are. They are, yes, they may not be getting number one spots, but that's because you're not playing them on the radio. Like if you were playing them on the radio, they'd, yeah. they'd be bigger than, than what they're performing in the charts and stuff. And, and they're still getting like top 10 albums and stuff without, without anyone talking about them in mainstream yeah. media. That's cr- that is crazy phenomenal and they deserve every every bit of success that they get they're just yeah they seem to work so hard they they are unlike any anything else that the western world has to offer Mm. and and it's about time that we woke up as an industry to realize that speaking english isn't everything yeah and our way of life isn't everything you know so so fair play and and that was just that felt like history in the making and there'll be there'll be people that write about it in 20 years time about oh that was the start of that and you know so exciting unfortunately we are out of time but it's been so great to speak to you i wanted to ask you a couple of questions just to end and the first one is what is your track of the week ah! um, <laughs> it's too much pressure is it going to be new is it going to be old is it one of my songs? Nobody knows. <laughs> Have you heard of Surfaces? Yeah, I don't know. They've got a song out at the moment called Sunday Best. What's the genre? Pop, obviously. Uh, Stupid. Yeah, but it's like surfer pop. It's good. Mm. It's really good. And you found them through a Spotify ad, an Instagram ad? Yeah, an Instagram ad. I think it was... Yeah, whether it was them or, or whatever, it was a clip from their music video and, and that's had 46 million views, that song. Wow. Um, Radio 1 have put it on their C-list, actually, so it's, it's getting played. Um, and I'm trying to convince my the head of music to let me play it. She's like, oh, oh yeah, t- um, check in with me next week. And I'm like, <laughs> 46 million views, that's, that's <laughs> it's pretty big. As a presenter, do you have a lot of say in who gets played and things like that? Definitely, we... We get to put our point across, but ultimately, yeah. no. Um, I think, weirdly, it's quite nice, actually. I had a boss that kind of really bought into me straight away and um, has has really helped me kind of protect what I believe in and what I don't believe in. So that's been quite nice. Um, and, and a couple of times that's meant that I've been able to play stuff that 
other people weren't playing. So Billie Eilish, oh, cool. for example, um, had a gig in Manchester and it was at like a smaller venue than she could play now. But I was like, she's in Manchester. We're like, we need to get some time with her. Managed to pester the label. We got an interview. It was, it was she'd just done a late night session for Radio 1. We were her first commercial interview. We did it on her tour bus uh, using some qu- equipment that I'd cobbled together. So it wasn't, you know, we didn't have anything from work that that we could record on. And her yeah. mu- her mum sat next to us, like filming it on her phone, like a soccer mum. It was it was insane because she was only seventeen uh-huh. at the time. And I think it was two weeks later, she just blew up. And we could never get hold of Billy now. Honestly, we we couldn't. That that would never happen now. I'd never get invited onto her tour bus. But God. It was that moment that I was like, she's going to get big. I know she is. I've got to mm-hmm. be dogged about it. And the people at work just trusted me. And Great. Yeah, it worked out. Nice. Okay, so for the second and final question, what is the best lesson that you've learned in your career so far? I think the two that tie in together is a combination of kindness and self-awareness. And I think yeah. that the two are really important. A lot of people think short term and as a result of that, they aren't kind. Yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. Um, and I think that whilst I may not have had the attention that some other broadcasters have had, I think ultimately if people went through back through my catalogue of interviews and career that I've had they could say that I was good a good person throughout yeah and I think that's really important you know that's that's how people have 50 year careers (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) is that is that what you're going for it should be 50 years how long have you been doing it now I mean I think I'm like year seven seven years 43 miles to go Mm. how do you feel about that (laughs) why not why not if it's something that you love doing, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And and that self-awareness to know, A, when you're good and B, mm. when, B when you need to work on something. There, there yeah. are lots of people that A, don't know when they're good, so they give up. Or B, don't know when they need to work on something. So they they don't make the improvements or they don't make the adjustments that they, they need to make in order to get further ahead. Um, yeah, Oh, they think they're good and they're really not good. There are plenty of people like that. And they and they succeed yeah. for a, a significant amount of time. You know, there's there's you really do have to think long term and you also have to think about yourself and, and where you're going more than any where anyone else is going. In theory, the digital world, now that that exists, there's room for all of us. Because yeah. with a radio station lineup, there's only a certain amount of day parts that they can they can give away. But with the internet, there's an infinite amount of podcasting that can happen. There's an infinite amount of YouTube videos that can go up. So there's room for all of us. So if anything, you know, it's such a waste of time to try and look at other people's career and be like, you know, I don't want them to succeed or mm. I'm, I'm going to focus on what they're doing. What are they doing? I should do that. And we all fall into traps of it. I have to check in with myself yeah. pretty much on a daily basis to be like, stop that now. That's not a healthy behavior. Yeah. But that self-awareness is is what enables me to do that. So, Awesome. Great answer. Thanks, mate. Good answer. <laughs> Appreciate that. 
<laughs> well done. <laughs> no, it's great to speak to you. Thanks so much for talking to me. No worries. And hopefully I will speak to you again soon.